building will be closed tomorrow, and Saturday evening begins the season of Advent. So today is the last day that we are celebrating this liturgical year with the Gospel of Luke. And as you all know, Luke is my favorite gospel. Just wait till Saturday night when you hear what I say about Matthew. But anyway, traditionally on Thanksgiving Day, we do hear a gospel passage from Luke. But we heard it at daily Mass on November 13th, and we heard it at Sunday Mass on October 13th. So I decided we'd be contrary and pick a different passage from Luke today for our gospel passage. One out of every five sentences in the Gospel of Luke is about eating. And so the media claims that today is the most important meal of the year. So I thought we would choose the reading about the most important meal of all time. I just got back on Tuesday night from a short vacation to Washington, D.C. While I was staying at the Paulus Seminary, I only ended up having two meals at St. Paul's College. That's because my other friends in D.C. wanted to get together, and the best gatherings happen over meals. In fact, two of my brother priests wanted to spend time with me, so rather than sitting at the refractory table, they took me out to a restaurant for a meal. When we think about it, there's nothing all that remarkable about eating. All members of the animal kingdom do it. But there's something truly special in sharing a meal. What makes it special? Is it the extra time and effort we take to prepare the meal? The extra effort to travel to the restaurant? Or the extra, extra time we spend lingering over the meal, enjoying each other's presence? Something is going on that transcends the meeting of our most basic physiological needs. We don't know much about the day-to-day -day life of the historical Jesus, but one thing is clear. Jesus did a lot of ministry around meals. One out of every five sentences in the Gospel of Luke is about a meal. What was the significance of the meals that Jesus shared? And what was the significance of whom he chose to share them? Scripture scholars identify meanings to these meals that, when combined, start to sound a lot like the Paulist mission direction statement. Evangelization. Reconciliation. Invitation to all. When the evangelists recall Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, they tell of a ritual meal near the end of Jesus' ministry in which he did something out of the ordinary, something central to how Jesus instructed his disciples to carry on his ministry. We don't know if this meal was a Passover meal, nor do we know exactly what Jesus did at this meal. The actions of Jesus that Paul and the evangelists report to us surround two blessings that were said at every ritual meal in Judaism not just during the Passover. The first blessing was called the Kaddush, a prayer of thanksgiving offered over a cup of wine and some unleavened bread at the beginning of the meal. The second was the Birkat Hamason, a prayer of thanksgiving offered over a particular cup of blessing at the conclusion of the meal. These blessings had no set words or formulas, but they always included two important Judaic themes. Thanksgiving and memorial. In the giving of thanks, the person leading the prayer
prayer would recall the great deeds that the Lord had done for the Jewish people in the past. For first century Jews, the word memorial was not a simple act of remembering. The prayer was intended to bring those great deeds of God into the present moment again. This in turn would enhance the sense of gratitude of the people participating in the meal. Because the Kaddush and the Birkat Hamatzon did not have set words, these blessings called for creativity on the part of the person leading them. At the Last Supper, the disciples perceived something in Jesus' blessings as truly transformative. But what was Jesus' innovation? It's not exactly clear. Jesus looked upwards at a place in the blessing where Jews traditionally look downwards, but that doesn't seem to be overly remarkable. Perhaps Jesus distributed the bread in silence when the speaker would traditionally have kept speaking. Most likely, however, Jesus' innovation was something so obvious to Jews that Mark and Matthew don't even bother spelling it out in their gospel stories. Luke and Paul, writing for Gentile audiences, make it a bit more obvious. They place some extra words on Jesus' lips. Do this in memory of me. And indeed... We Christians have brought the Jewish ideas of thanksgiving and memorial into the Mass. Our Eucharistic prayers have their origins in the Kiddush and the Birkat Hamatzon. In each Eucharistic prayer, we recall the great deeds of God, culminating in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. And in that thanksgiving, in that memorial, Christ becomes present among us in a most powerful way. At Mass, Jesus Christ is present in multiple ways. Christ is present in our very gathering as his body. It still freaks me out a bit that the church says that Christ is present in the person of the priest. Christ is present in the scriptures proclaimed to us. And through our thanksgiving and through our memorial. Christ becomes truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the Eucharist itself. As we worship on this holiest of days in the American secular calendar, may we remember that the word Eucharist itself means thanksgiving.